God's grace, peace, and be with you this morning, we pray. Oh Lord, teach us what you'd have us learn today, that our hearts and minds may be tuned to you this Lenten season. In Christ's name, amen. Well, you've been excited about March Madness? Some of you. Some of you probably say, what's March Madness? You're a basketball fan, you know what that means. But maybe you've already lost interest. The Ducks are out. Gonzaga's out. What's left? Anybody got a team that's left? North Carolina's out. Michigan's out. Not much interest for me anymore, I guess. That's the way it is. Some win, some lose. Let me ask another question. How excited are you about Lent? Are you really excited? Is Lent changing your heart and life? It should be. We're in the Lenten season. It's, almost, it's half over, past half over. And here we come, getting close to Holy Week. Let me ask you a true or false question. True or false? I'm growing spiritually this Lent. True or false? You may say, why Lent? What do we have this Lenten season for? Where does it come from? Well, it comes from a period in the, when the church years ago set aside 40 days to celebrate, not mourn, but celebrate Christ Jesus and all he did for us through his suffering, death, and then culminating with the resurrection. The 40 comes from several places in the scripture. There are 40 days or 40 years. And so the church thought, well, 40 it's not a biblical demand date, but 40 would be a good time to set a number, not counting Sundays, which we call the Lenten season, in which we might grow closer to Jesus and continue that growth beyond Easter. So in other words, every Lenten season, we should be growing, growing, growing in our faith in Jesus Christ and our response to him. The 40 comes from 40 days that maybe that Moses spent on the mountain when he got the, the Ten Commandments given to him. Or there was 40 years in the wilderness that Israel spent there wandering around because of their sin. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And scholars say, well, 40 hours was also the time Jesus died until he rose again on Easter morning. So 40 is significant. So the church said, let's take 40 days out of the year and let's celebrate what Christ did for us and acknowledge his suffering on our behalf, paying for our sins, dying for them, on the cross, and becoming the risen Lord. So Lent is the time for you and me to examine what Jesus did for us and celebrate it. True or false? I'm getting closer to God this Lenten season. I hope so. Scripture reminds us, draw near to God and he will draw near to us. And it's something we're supposed to do to make a permanent change in our lives. It's not to merit forgiveness. Lent is about victory. The cross is victory. Victory over sin, death, and the devil. Lent does not mean give up something now and then after Lent is over, go back to what you were doing before, after Easter. It's not the Mardi Gras concept where you party hard on the day before Lent and then you take out and don't do something and then after, after Easter, you start back again. No, Lent prepares us for Easter and beyond. 
that we might grow in our knowledge and love for Jesus Christ for what he has done for us and that we can celebrate the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. Lent prepares us for Easter and beyond. And today's gospel lesson is a good Lenten gospel lesson for us to look at. When you heard it read, you probably said, oh, I've heard that before. I know that story. I've heard many a sermon on that. I've preached many a sermon. There's all kinds of sermons in that story. Now remember, it's a story. It's not a true factual event. It's a story, a parable that Jesus told, which became a very famous story. It's been told over and over down through the centuries, many times. There's many facets to this story. It's an amazing story about God's love for his people. So let's take another fresh look at this story by looking at a Spanish artist in the 17th century, Bartolome Murillo, who in 1670 finished this painting after spending about three years doing it. It's in color and vivid, but this is just a replica on your bulletin cover. But it now hangs in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Open your urn, take your bulletin out and look at the front cover. I want you to look at the picture, the picture of the artistic drawing of the prodigal son and the father. What this picture depicts that the artist was trying to convey was the relationship between the father and his young son. And there's two themes that Murillo had in mind when he painted this picture. Forgiveness and resurrection. Which is what we celebrate in Lent. Forgiveness at the cross and resurrection that we celebrate on Easter. Now back in the 1600s, there was no television, no videos, no screens to pull down. What you did was you painted pictures. Artists painted many amazing pictures. A lot of Christian art comes out of the 17th and 18th centuries. The idea was when you painted a picture, people would stop, look at it, and spend time meditating on it and looking in to see what they get out of it. It's a video, in that sense, in looking at what we can see and reflect. This is an amazing picture when you stop and look at it that was painted by the artist and bringing to us two concepts, forgiveness and resurrection. Now take a look at the sun, how the artist painted the sun. What do you see when you look at the sun? Well, what are are his hands doing? They're folded, right? Kind of in a begging position. He's begging his father, as you heard read in the gospel, for forgiveness and to restore him, at least make him a servant. Notice his clothes. They're tattered and ragged. Notice the little dog. He's so happy to see him again. He hasn't seen him for a while. His paws on his leg. If this was a scratch and smell thing, he would really be a stinky picture because this guy came out of the pig pen. He stinks. But the dog is welcoming him. Father is. Look at his feet. They're bruised. They're worn. They're dirty. 
It's significant that the artist painted this way because you see, if you're barefoot in those days, you were poor. A sign of poverty. No sidewalks, no paved roads. You had to walk on dirt and rocks and it hurt your feet. So you wore sandals. But if you couldn't afford sandals, you were poor of the poorest. It was a sign of shame. If you didn't have sandals, shame on you. He has no sandals. And there he is, on his knees, begging forgiveness before his father. The center of the picture, as the artist painted it, was the portray of the father and to portray the son. Now, take a look. Or first of all, think, of course, that we're like the son. The artist wants you to see yourself in that figure of the son. That we are beggars before God. We are sons and daughters who have wandered away from our heavenly father. We've got worn feet, bruised feet, and we're battered by our sin. And so we come to the Father. Now, the central character that the artist portrays is the Father. Take a look at that Father. What do you see in the Father, the center of the painting? Obviously, he's the big person, biggest person in that picture. Notice his hands, his arms. They're embracing the sun. And he's portrayed by the painter as a strong man, a caring man. He's got gentleness in his hands as he puts them on his son, his arm and his back. But the father is not smiling. He's not jumping up and down because his son is there. You see, the son hurt him. The son asked for his inheritance before he died. The son took his money and squandered it on prostitutes and drinking and so forth. He hurt himself. And so the father was hurt. But the father also, notice, is not angry. It's not an angry look. He's not giving him the back of his hand across his face or a kick on the rear. But he's looking with love, with concern, with relief. My son has come home. And he gives him a major welcome. Look at the father's love to his son. Think about our heavenly father, the The idea is think about God the Father in heaven who does not scold us, who does not belittle us. He's not angry with us. He cares for us. Our Father has forgiving love for us. That's why he sent his son Jesus to go to the cross and die for you and pay for your sins that you might have forgiveness and a resurrection and life. That Lent can be a time of growth and renewal for us. Now, the artist always wants you to, to learn lessons, and as you look at the painting more, you are to continue to grow in your understanding of this, 
of the prodigal son's story. So look to the right side of the painting. The right side, you'll notice something. The servant is standing there holding a tray. The servant has sandals. He's fully dressed. He's got a tray full of clothes, a new robe to give to the son. You can't see it on the picture here, but if you see the painting in its original, right there by his hand, those are two sandals. He's got sandals. Go put those sandals on his feet. Gonna be rich. Amazing, huh? So the father has provided new clothes, sandals. This is the theme of resurrection. This is Murillo emphasizing the resurrection. New clothing, robes, shoes, the best. Son now will get cleaned up and get rid of the stink and get dressed for a new day. This is life after death. A fresh start, clean clothes, freedom from the past, freedom from his sin. There's reconciliation, there's resurrection, there's new life. And the new life comes to us through Jesus Christ. As we look at the picture, we see, wow, God offers us new life in Jesus Christ. Now if you look at the far left side of the painting, you'll notice something interesting. A little boy, a little child with a smile. The only one smiling in the portrait. And he's got the fatted calf. Dragging him, calf kind of looks kind of reluctant. He doesn't want to kind of come in. You notice another man there, a person there with an axe over his shoulder. He's probably after chopping the wood that's going to burn the big fire that's going to roast and bake the or cook the lamb. And the lamb's going to have to give his, or the calf is going to have to give his life. So there can be a party. A celebration, a big banquet's coming. But the calf has to give his life. There's a story of a Sunday school teacher who was read the story of the prodigal son and read the whole thing about the other older brother and so forth. And then the Sunday school teacher asked his class, the little ones, he says, who really was sad when the prodigal son came home? thinking they would save the older son, but one little boy raised his hand and said, the fatted calf. <laughs> Truly, the fatted calf had to give his life, right? But think about it. Jesus gave his life so that we can celebrate the biggest banquet of all, the joy of Easter, the resurrection, because our sins have been forgiven by him on the cross. The child as I said, is the only one smiling. He's bringing the sacrifice, the fatted calf. And so Murillo paints this picture that the people of his day in the 1600s could get a vision of this parable. With all of these concepts going on, 
But you notice one person he left out of his painting, the older brother. doesn't deal with that. That's not his interest. His interest in the painting was the center of the painting, the father and the son. And that we might see ourselves in that picture. That we might see ourselves as the beggar, the prodigal, coming home to the father and receiving his embrace and his love around us as he puts his hands upon us, open arms. He loves us as his dear children. And he invites us to come home rejoicing. We rejoice because of our baptism. Just as we had Carol's baptism this morning and celebrated the baptismal waters, you celebrate your baptism. This is your coming home into the family, into the well-being of Christ Jesus. And the Father welcomes you and welcomes us. We have a new life in Jesus Christ because of his shed blood on the cross, his sacrifice. And as we look at this painting, we can see the wonderful love of the Father. And we see this Father putting his arms around his son. The door was always open. The father never shut the door on his son. A while back, there was a rebel college student, a dropout from college, a real carouser, a partier. He smoked, he drank Johnny Walker, and he had a run-in with the law. His name, Franklin Graham. The son of Billy Graham. But he had a change in life. He came home. And one of the things he said was, I had a father who made sure the door was always open. And now Franklin Graham has one of the most wonderful ministries of the Samaritan's Purse, where he reaches out to people in need around the world with food, clothing, and above all, preaches the gospel. Anytime you see him on TV and being interviewed, he's always bringing in Jesus Christ. Salvation comes through Jesus. You see, we all need a homecoming party. Franklin Graham had one. You and I have one every time we come to worship. Every time we come to the Lord's Supper and take his body and blood given for us for the forgiveness of sins because he became the lamb that was sacrificed for us. So this Lenten season is a time for you and me to grow in our faith and it will continue on beyond Easter. Not just for Lent, but for Easter. Holy Week is coming. Easter is coming. How about post-Easter? Going to get excited about that too? And live the new life that you got because of yourself in Lent you drew closer to the Lord and Savior? I invite you to take this picture home with you and post it somewhere in the house or look at it or put it by your devotional book and this week just look at it periodically and catch all the things that are in there in that picture. Spend time and conversation with your heavenly father as you look at that picture. The son, the father, the servant carrying the new clothes and the sandals, the theme of resurrection and a little boy pulling in the calf for the sacrifice. Think about what God did for you through his son, Jesus Christ, and how God loves you as his father loved his son, and we can come to the father. The door is always open.
Praise the Lord. May your Lenten season be one of true joy and may it continue beyond the Easter season. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Amen.